Good morning. On an hour early rainy day, welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church. If you will turn in your hymnal to to the hymn 279, we will read responsively. Hear, O Israel. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your mind. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk to them about when you're at home and when you're away, lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand Fix him as an emblem on your forehead. Amen. Our hymn is number 280. Speak, O Lord, number 280. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
read to you a scripture this morning from Ephesians 2, verse 8. By grace has saved you because of your faith in Christ. Your salvation doesn't come from anything you do. It's God's gift. Well, I have a big gift right here. Would you like to open it? Well, it'll cost you $5. You don't have $5? You don't have any money. Well, I guess you can't have your gift then. I want to know, does God's gift cost you anything? Empty. <laughs> does God's gift cost you anything? No. God's gift doesn't cost you anything because you know what God gave you? God gave you his son. And that's our gift. God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, sir. Maybe it's a tractor in there. You think there's a tractor in there? Yeah. Well, you know what, Wyatt? I have to tell you a secret. It's empty. Huh? There's nothing in the box. What? 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 There's nothing in the box. Because see, what's in the box is God's gift. And do you know where it is right now? Where's God's gift to you? In your heart. And what does it cost you? Absolutely nothing. Or maybe it's a skisteer. No, I don't think so. This is God's gift. And it's right there in your heart. In James's heart and Jude's heart and Lila's heart and everybody's heart in church. And it doesn't cost us anything because God gave us his son. That's our gift. We need to remember that. I see. We'll fix it in just a minute, okay? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you most importantly, Lord, for your gift that's in our heart, in our church, in our family, and in our friends, that you are here to take care of us, watch over us, and protect us. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and what he means to us every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn is number 255, We Are God's People, 255. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
mission moment this morning, we are looking at the fact that in North America, three out of four people have no relationship with Jesus Christ. That is 269 million people who need to hear and to see the love that Jesus offers to all. Compassion expressed in times of disaster for those who are stuck in poverty, anyone less fortunate than we, regardless of the reason, helps build relationships and point to Jesus' footsteps and eternal life through his gift of salvation. In the week of prayer for North American Missions, and you have the insert, Day Four's focus is on Clarkston, Georgia, that assists nearly 2,000 refugees each year to resettle after being forced out of their homes. These refugees speak over 100 different languages and it is emphasized that at least 60 languages in a 1.2 mile area and are assisted to find homes and jobs in Clarkston or in nearby locations as they become a part of our melting pot country. The majority of these refugees work in the hospitality businesses such as hotels and restaurants. Another group work in the chicken plant that's there in Clarkston. Our home missionaries, Trent and Elizabeth Deloge, along with the Clarkston International Baptist Church, build relationships that mentor these refugees with the love that Jesus shows each of us. English classes and GED classes are taught. Mentors work with the individual families to assist with job search, medical contacts, transportation, and with whatever the specific assistance needed happens to be. The North American Mission Board through the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering provides 100% of all monies donated to meet the needs of our North American missionaries. The Southern Baptist Convention through any Armstrong Easter offering goal is set for $70 million. Our church goal is set for $4,000. We are going to view a video emphasizing the North American missions and the ushers will uh, share immediately following the offertory prayer. Video, please. The first church I pastored was Hilltop Baptist in Fort Worth, Texas. It was a small church, a lot like this one. They voted me in seven to zero, a unanimous call. In fact, it's the only unanimous call I've ever received. God taught me a lot about ministry through that church, and it is there that I saw firsthand the sacrificial giving of his people. 
One of our sweet members was Lenny Fenton. She was an older lady of very little means. She lived in a small house across the street from the church. Some would even call it a shack. Lenny didn't have much, but she gave sacrificially to our little church and to the offerings we participated in. And she took great joy in giving. She counted it a great privilege to give. Lenny has been with the Lord now for many years, but I take her memory with me wherever I'm serving. I tell her story to our staff and remind myself to look at every dollar we receive like it's Lenny Fenton's dollar. You see, when you give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, we know that many in your church are giving sacrificially. I also know that there are also dozens of worthy ministries and other things that you could support as a church. So I'm grateful for all that you and your church members do to support the Annie offering. Half of what we receive to support our missionaries comes from the Annie offering. And our guidelines require that every penny, every penny of it goes to missionaries and to support them on the field. So whether your church meets in a building similar to this one, or if it's in a much larger facility or somewhere in between, we will be the very best stewards of everything you send. Thank you for what you give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering and for all you're doing to help reach North America for Christ. We are grateful to be your partner. Heavenly Father, thank you for missionaries who commit their lives to serve wherever they are needed. May we support them through prayer and giving of offerings to meet those needs. Today, bless these tithes and offerings that are given to bring glory and honor to the great name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
today from Exodus 20, 1 through 17. You may follow in your Bible. It's on page 63 in the Pew Bible and on the screen. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold, guiltless him, not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the Sabbath, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your manservant or your maidservant, or your cattle or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant or his ox or his ass or anything that is your neighbor's. Thank you, Gail. Before I pray, let us be mindful of a few in our congregation. Uh, one is Jerry Green, who's uh, received some difficult news from the doctor recently, and we want to be in prayer for Jerry and Pat as they travel down this road of, of navigating things, uh, having heard this news from the doctor about some cancer that has returned. We also want to be in prayer for Thurlon Osborne. He is back at Carillon after a heart attack last week, and uh, I want to thank you personally for prayers for my dad. He is doing better. He, is on, he was off of all home health now and is off of oxygen. And I just, very, many of you have asked, and so I just thank you very much for your prayers for my dad who is doing much better. Our morning prayer this morning uh, will be in the spirit of the scripture that Gail just read. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for another opportunity to gather as a church family and to worship you this morning. You have commanded us to have no other gods before you. Keep us faithful to you alone and help us to dethrone the idols in our life and give us the grace to fear and honor and love and trust you above all things. Gracious Father, your name is holy. Stop us from using it in unholy ways and let the name that you put on us in baptism keep us holy. And may we always trust in the holy name of Jesus and use his name in prayer 
and praise. You tell us that this is the day which you have made and Lord help us to rejoice and be glad in it. Grant that we may use the Lord's day for rest in hearing your word. Gracious God in your goodness you have given us fathers and mothers whom you want us to honor and grant that by the help of your spirit all Christian parents may bring their children up to fear and honor and love you and that children may not provoke their parents to anger but love, respect, and obey them. Keep the families of the church united and strengthen them through your word. God, you have created the world and you give life to all people. Grant that by your grace, all may respect the sanctity of life. Let us do nothing to hurt or harm our neighbor in any way, but rather to be of help, especially in times of need. Merciful Father, you have established the state of marriage and continue to bless it. Give us grace to lead a chaste and pure life and bless all who are married. Enable them to remain faithful in their vows and to be patient and forgiving. God, you are the giver and preserver of all good things. Help us to value honest work as your gift and the means by which you bless us and our country. Give us joy as we serve others with unselfish hearts to the unemployed and to help them to use their extra time constructively and for the good of their communities. Give our heavenly Father, Lord, our heavenly Father, in Jesus Christ you have shown yourself to be for us and not against us. Help us to be loyal to our neighbors and do nothing to damage their reputation. Show us the log in our own eye when we find a speck in their eye and make us more ready to forgive than to judge and always view the actions of others in the most favorable light. Gracious God and Father, you are the owner and giver of all things. Enable us to be good stewards of all of your gifts and content with what you have given us and eager to advance your cause around the world. Last God, we are eternally grateful that when we miss the mark, you remain faithful. I'm grateful for the eternal covenant of forgiveness that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Bless now the choir and the sermon this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Yeah. 
take a deep breath, choir. <laughs> Told him to take a deep breath. And after that, I don't need to preach. Amen. I'm, well, I'm, I'm ready. So just, just might as, I might as well. So stay put. We'll get out of here before one or at least 1230 anyway. Um, but i um, glad that you are here today. Let me ask you, are you ready for some good news? We've heard some good news already. Thank you, choir and Lindy and others. Thank you, Gail, for reading this morning and Ruth for sharing and challenging us in relationship to missions. You see, this morning we've read a passage of scripture that a lot of times we hear about in the news. We grew up learning about, but maybe we hear about in the news and they're protesting, should we put it up here? We can't put it up there. But I think more importantly about putting it up anywhere is, is are we living it out? Are we... Uh, listening to what uh, uh, not only our, our fathers, but what God has instructed us and how he is guiding us. But let me start off with a little bit of a pop quiz this morning or a little bit more of a reality check. But don't worry, I'm not asking any of you to raise hands or to don't look at anybody, don't nudge anybody. But just think about this personally there as you think about and look at these, what we call the Ten Commandments. Um, think about your last week, your last several months. Just think back through your life. And is there at any points where you've missed the mark? Any points where you have, have missed the mark? All right, we can take that down. How did you do? How did you do? It's, it's likely that most of us did well in not coveting our, our neighbor's ox or donkey. However, this is Boiling Springs and we do have a few around. So, um, but... Um, Hopefully we did okay on not murdering or not uh, making a literal idol and bowing down to it. Um, I can't uh, think of, I actually uh, had a, a sweet mate at Garden Web back in the day that uh, was uh, from, uh, from India and he actually uh, had something in his room that he would open up and would, and would worship and have his special time and I had a good friend that was his roommate. And we struggled through that and prayed about that and tried to be the best example we could uh, to his roommate. But uh, maybe if, maybe we're not guilty of certain things, but if you drive often and you've been caught in traffic and you've been cut off in traffic or uh, you've been in bad traffic, whatever it may be, you might have slipped the Lord's name in vain. Maybe it's not in relationship to traffic. Maybe you slammed your fingers in something and you just shouted it out. But overall, if we're human, we've all failed. We've all missed the mark. We've all made mistakes. We are imperfect. And when it comes to keeping all of these directives that we call the Ten Commandments, we have failed at some point. In our text this morning, uh, I thank you so much, Gail, for reading well. First half of the Exodus, chapters 1 through 19, tells of Israel's incredible and miraculous journey from being slaves in Egypt and now out into the desert. And they get out there and we learn about it in the first 19 chapters of Exodus and they start complaining you've led us out here and we thank you God, but what are we going to eat? And who is our boss? And what are we, you know, there was all kinds of things they needed to figure out. And so in chapter 20, God begins to give them some guidelines. And we refer to this often as the Sinai covenant. They're in the wilderness of Sinai and Moses has this miraculous experience on top of Mount Sinai with thunder and lightning and smoke. And the people were commanded not to even go near, not to touch the base of the mountain or else they would die. And so it is here on that mountain where Moses received these commandments. We feel, a, we read about a formal expression of God's relationship to his people and their relationship to him. We do not read the word commandment. Did you notice that? In these first 17 verses of chapter 20, nowhere is there the word commandment. 
It's still okay to call them commandments, but at the very beginning, in verse one of chapter 20, it says, God spoke all these words. And when you begin to study this and read different commentaries and things, it refers to the 10 words of Moses. Uh, some, some places in many of your scriptures, it may refer to the Decalogue uh, as well. In the American legal system, or if the American legal system is used as in an analogy, it could be said that the 10 words or the commands of Exodus 20 are somewhat like the Constitution of the United States. They're legally binding in most basic and foundational ways for the people of Israel and still for us today. I think it's interesting that in these 10 commandments, Jesus's two commandments carry the same emphasis about God and humanity. If you study Jewish law and you look at the Old, if you look at the Old Testament, there's known to be over 600 commands that were actually given. Moses had 10 and Jesus had two. But what's interesting about Moses' 10 and Jesus' two is they both carry the same theme. The commandments of our Lord, when he was questioned both in Matthew 22 and in Mark 12, it says, teacher, which is the greatest com commandment? Jesus responded. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We think about the 10 commandments that Moses was given. The first four speak about loving God, that loyalty to God, that vertical relationship with God. And the last six commandments deal with man, deal with our neighbor, deal with that horizontal relationship to others. Jesus, again, summed that up in two, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we see it echoed in Moses' 10, and in Jesus's two commandments there in the New Testament. I shared with someone Friday that this message is not a mini sermon on each of the 10 commandments. I did say though, we would be, we'd get out of here at one though, right? So I've got time to kind of, no. Um, I'll save each of these for a future sermon series, but it is a sermon that seeks to remind us that God is always faithful and we are the serial defaulters. This is a sermon about God's faithfulness and the fact that we do not keep up our end of the deal. In truth, we're all destined to fail, it's inevitable. Scripture tells us that we're all sinners, Romans 3.23. It's part of our human fabric and scripture also tells us that our sin is what separates us from God. But the good news is that God has made a way for us to be with him despite our sinful selves. Today's sermon is titled Contracts and Covenants. Contracts and Covenants. So what's the difference between a contract and a covenant. Most people live in and better understand a contract world better than a covenant world. And most adults in the room here understand what it's like to sign a contract, whether it be on a car or a home or whatever other uh, example we could choose this morning, but many of us in the room know what it's like to sign a contract. We're asked to sign, as, as we say, on the dotted line. Contracts, contracts are built around distrust. Contracts are written up for the idea of failure in mind. That, that is, what if things don't work out? In case one party does not uphold their end of the deal, there will be consequences. Some other example of contracts, contracts are formalized agreements based on mutual consent. If it's a bank, they have a deal to uphold their end of the bargain, and then we have a deal to uphold ours. 
They work well for employment situations or business transactions. Celebrities, whether in film or in sports, often have a rider, a contractual agreement that I will do this if you provide this for me. Another example is each partner gives as much as is necessary and in the end, a mutual goal is achieved. The primary beneficiary is me. I get out of it what I've put into it or hopefully more. If I or my counterpart falters, then the contractual agreement can be broken. Fortunately, with God, we don't sign up for a contract. We do not sign up for a contract. We can be thankful that our relationship with him is not based on contract, but on covenant. And covenants are fundamentally different than contracts. The good news is that from the beginning, God's agreement, God's business plan with us if you will, was not based on contract, but on covenant. A covenant comes with the word everlasting. An unbreakable love where God keeps his promises despite our turning away from him. God expects us to love and obey and follow his will and care for one another, but the good news is that our failure to do so, that our mistakes, our inabilities did not affect God's commitment to us. Contracts are governed by the rules of bargaining. Covenants are governed by the irrational, but the eternal rules of love. When you think about a covenant and you think about one that does not uphold their end of the bargain, in a sense, and you think about God's eternal love for us, in many ways, people, from a human perspective, it simply doesn't make sense. Because at some point for all of us, we all think contractual. And at some point, there's got to be a break. But yet, despite our sin, despite our mistakes, despite our inabilities, the good news people and church is that God continues to pour his everlasting love to each and every one of us despite the fact that we mess up. God made a covenant to be bound together with us no matter what. God made a covenant to be faithful to us. The good news is that God made these covenants with us knowing full well our strengths and our talents and knowing our imperfections and knowing our failings. God knew what God was getting into with us the same way a wise parent knows what's in store when you raise a child. No matter how many times a rule or expectation is explained, failure is inevitable. Some of you young parents have learned that. You're like, I've, I've explained this to them. I've told them not to do this, but yet they continue to do it. Imperfection is understood but yet love and grace endure. A good parent would never sever the relationship based on a child's misbehavior. The good parent loves, corrects, forgives, and seeks to instruct the child to better outcomes and better behavior. There's an old Jewish proverb that says, when God decided to create the world, he foresaw all the sin that humans would commit against God and each other. The only way God would continue was to decide to forgive the world before he created it. Many here today are familiar, especially if you've been raised in church with the other covenants that are in the Old Testament. There was a covenant with Noah, there was a covenant made with Abraham, a covenant made with David, and we could speak of other covenants as well this morning. But today's focus is a covenant that God made between himself and Israel, the most prominent portrayal of covenant in all of the Old Testament. We will read and see next week where Jeremiah begins to speak of a new covenant, one where later in the New Testament, the apostle Paul and the author of Hebrews would speak of as the new covenant that God has made for us in Christ Jesus. A covenant not written on stone, but a covenant written in our hearts. A covenant not made about or talking about circumcision, 
but a covenant that's based on a new way of living, a covenant that is internal versus a covenant that is external by the keeping of the law. A covenant we remember each time that we observe the Lord's Supper. A great summary of this idea of covenant or contract and, and covenants could be that contracts meet each other halfway. Excuse me, contracts meet each other halfway. Con- covenants are all in and God's love covers all. Let me say that again. Contracts meet each other halfway, but covenants are all in and God's love covers all. When I was a kid, I thought that Christianity sure did have a lot of rules. And you learn about the Ten Commandments and then the parents, you know, sometimes their house is run in such a way you're like, is this a rule from God or is this just a rule from my parents? You don't know. Um, But then you learn. We learn about the Ten Commandments and then we learn about other laws and rules in the Scripture in a sense in the Old Testament. But what I've learned is a wise parent, a good parent, tells their kid not to do and to do certain things. Why? Because they love them. Your parents say, you who have young children, don't play in the street. We don't want you to get hurt or to get run over. And we, we, we say that over and over. We do that because we love our children. Church, God has given us some guidelines. He's given us not only these commands in the Old Testament, but others because he loves us. God desires that we don't suffer the consequences of choosing to go our own way and going our own route and doing our own thing. God loves us and he gives us a standard by which to live. He knows that you and I can experience his peace and presence and joy in our lives and be the neighbors that he has called us to be to others if we obey the things that he has asked us to do. And it was later in life that I began to realize that this love and this guidelines that God has given me because he loves me began to be, as I talked about, this, this, this covenant that wasn't based on tablets or wasn't based in a, in, a, in a book and was just about laws, but it became something that became personal in my heart. It became something written on my heart and not written on a page. Church, God loves you this morning and he's given us guidelines so that we can know him better, that we can follow him and, and walk with him more intimately and that we can share his love with our neighbors. Let me ask you this morning, you may know and know of the Ten Commandments, but have you internalized the message that is here, not only within the commandments, but with with Jesus' commandment as well, about loving him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself? I invite you this morning to join with me and others in allowing his love to penetrate our hearts so that we can love him more and love others the way that he would have us to. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the guidelines that you give us. I'm thankful, Lord, that they're not just things written on stone or for us written on pages or we read on our tablets or our phones, wherever we may read the scripture. But Lord, I'm thankful that you have taken your word, you have taken the life that is within it and placed it within our hearts. And that, Father, this is not a, uh, uh, an external obligation that we, we feel that we must fulfill. But Lord, out of our love for you and your great love for us, we desire to walk in your ways and to pursue your paths. Lord, we are grateful that your relationship with us is based on covenant and not based on contract. We're grateful that despite our imperfections, despite our failures, you continue to choose to love us and to be on our side. And God, for that, we are eternally grateful. 
Father, speak to our hearts this morning. Challenge us to walk in closer fellowship with you. If there are any here today that have never put their faith and trust in you, I pray that today that they would take this message of covenant seriously, that they would realize despite their imperfections, despite their failures, that you love us. And not only that you love us, but you love us with an eternal and unconditional love. Speak to us now as we sing. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for that new covenant that is based in your son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can have forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm thinking about the entire service we've just experienced and the words of the songs. And I think the first one we, we sang was, Speak, O Lord. Are we desiring or are we open to hear what he may be speaking to our hearts this morning? Let's stand and sing together. Hymn number 425, How Firm a Foundation.
just remain standing for just a brief moment. I'm going to ask Carlos to come and join me up here, if you will, please. Carlos and I have, have gotten to know each other over the last several weeks. Uh, Carlos is married to uh, Carla Jordan. Did I get the name right? I got, her na- I got her name right. Okay. This is Carlos Sanhueza. Did I say that right? Yes. And um, Carlos comes today seeking membership at Boiling Springs Baptist. Uh, Carlos is... Um, Uh, has put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has been baptized and he is coming by statement of faith, desiring membership here at Boiling Springs Baptist. He and I have had the opportunity to to speak and get to know each other. I've been a very faithful presence in our men's morning Bible study and uh, also here in our worship services. And so what is the pleasure of the church this morning? All right, second. Well, I didn't have to ask for that. All those in favor, if you'd say amen. amen. All those likewise. Well, Carlos, welcome to the family of Boiling Thank Springs you. Baptist Church. Thank you, in just, in just a moment, I'm going to ask Carla as we close to come and, and join Carlos down here. And Carlos, if, if you would just kind of hang out in the front, they would love to come by and shake your hand and give you a hug and welcome you to the family here at Bowling Springs. So Thank we're you. glad you're with us and we look forward to growing together. Thank you. All right. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your spirit that has been present here with us. Lord, as we seek to be your people, teach us how to love you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And God, help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said, amen.